time enough to tell your family you love them and make your peace with God. That's all we got left, isn't it? Buckle up. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Oh, it's not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Yeah, a little bit. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. All right, here we go from Pacifica Radio's KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK right here in L.A., but also up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 93 FM WLRI News Radio. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio on the Green Renaissance Network, WGRN 94.1 FM. And in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, happy birthday, Nicole, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. We are blanketing planet Earth five days a week. You can run, but you can't hide from the broadcast as much as you might like to. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Yes, we are still keeping our eyes on the track conditions as much or more so than the horse race because someone's got to. Uh, the uh, track conditions, as you know, as I've discussed many times, many years, those track conditions uh, can determine the results of the race as much uh, as the horses themselves can. This is as any horse race fan actually knows, particularly in a, in a close race, in a close election, which we could very well have on Tuesday in the presidential race. If the current polling tells us anything, not to mention all of the other very important elections on the ballot on Tuesday. We'll talk about those track conditions um, and a disturbing new finding about them uh, with Bev Harris of Black Box voting momentarily. Also uh, joining us in a bit, J uh, Desi Doyen with the Green News Report. Hello, Desi. Hello. This is our last Green News Report before Election Day. Yep. So you better get it right. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure, though. Uh, all right. Uh, in the wake of the uh, the Trump campaign's uh, repeated exhortations to, quote, watch the polls in certain areas and the Republican Party's persistent efforts to enact laws and procedures to restrict voting disproportionately affecting Democratic leaning voters. Uh, following the Supreme Court gutting of the Voting Rights Act in 2013. You know, this is the first year in 50 years that we've run a presidential election without the full protection of the Voting Rights Act. In light of all of that and in light of a Bloomberg News report just days ago quoting an unnamed Trump campaign official uh, explaining that they, quote, have three major voter suppression operations underway. That, that's an actual quote. 
uh, targeting African-American voters and other groups of voters. The Clinton campaign and the Democratic Party have been uh, quite aggressive in taking the Republican Party uh, state GOP operations uh, and the Trump campaign itself and its affiliates like former Nixon dirty trickster uh, Roger Stone taking them to court in order to preemptively challenge unlawful voter intimidation, illegal poll monitoring uh, and voter challenges and and other so-called ballot security or uh, voter integrity initiatives, as the GOPers call them, any of those activities that may take place on Tuesday. Uh, In addition to a federal complaint filed against the RNC itself, Democrats have filed complaints against the Trump campaign and state Republican parties in recent days in Arizona, in Ohio, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and over the past 24 hours, They've also filed additional suits in North Carolina and in Michigan, all alleging violations of both the Voting Rights Act of 1965, the part that is still standing, and the Ku Klux Klan Act of the 1870s, barring intimidation and racial suppression at polling places. Democrats are... As I've said, uh, they're taking the matter, it seems, very seriously and aggressively this year by way of a nice change of pace, frankly. Uh, And that's a good thing. It's forcing the GOP and the Trump campaign, at least to some extent so far, to justify their specific poll watching operations and their plans and putting them on record in federal court hearings. Uh, that they do not plan to illegally disrupt voting in certain areas, as Trump likes to say, on Election Day. Now, whether that whether that effort will be enough uh, to help ensure an orderly and fair election uh, free from Election Day harassment, confusion and chaos, that remains to be seen. But I'm, I'm happy to say that at least uh, they appear to be acting preemptively this year. On in some respects against uh, some election day concerns, and at least in several of the states that they consider crucial for winning the presidency. Along that line, uh, we've got some good news breaking today in Ohio. A federal judge uh, today said he will issue a restraining order against the Donald Trump campaign and against longtime advisor Roger Stone. Remember that Richard Nixon dirty trickster I mentioned? to avoid, quote, harassing and intimidating conduct at polling places on November 8th. U.S. District Judge James Gwynn did not specify exactly what will or will not be allowed, but said that the order would uh, likely be generic. It would prohibit both Democrats and Republicans from harassment of the people entering and leaving polling places. That uh, decision came following a more than two-hour hearing. The judge said he will issue this restraining order against the Trump uh, campaign and against Stone, who did not respond to the lawsuit and did not have an attorney present. He, the judge did not order it against the Ohio Republican Party, however, saying that there was not enough evidence to show that a restraining order against them was needed. The lawsuit says that, uh, uh, among other things, that uh, Stone and his organization have recruited volunteers to watch polling places and has encouraged uh, so-called protectors to download and print out official-looking identification badges and to live stream activities in um, in, in November as they uh, talk to voters about election fraud. Judge Gwynn considered many issues during the hearing on Friday, 
Uh, but he seemed most interested in Trump's view about uh, voter fraud, despite the overwhelming evidence against it, uh, at least the overwhelming evidence that it is incredibly rare in-person voting fraud in any event, as reported by the Cleveland Plain Dealer today. Uh, the judge seized on a quote that uh, Trump had made in Akron back in August in which he said, quote, you've got to get everybody to go out and watch and go out and vote. And when I say watch, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's what Trump said. Um, Don Smalls, an attorney representing the Ohio Democratic Party, said that the uh, people heeding Trump's call are not just citizens that are seeking to fulfill their civic duty. She said that these are people that are specifically reacting to the racially the racially tinged and racially charged language that the Trump campaign has been putting out. Uh, for their part, the state Republicans Trump's campaign and uh, Roger Stone maintain they have not done nor are planning to do anything illegal. Attorney for uh, Trump's campaign and the Republican Party argued that a restraining order is not necessary because of the many uh, because many of the actions that Democrats say they fear are already against the law. The Trump campaign also said that the restraining order that the Democrats wanted would chill free speech and impede the campaign's ability to perform get out the vote measures. In any event, in Ohio, at least now, uh, this restraining order has been uh, has been entered by the uh, by a federal court. We'll see if that makes uh, any difference one way or another. That is uh, seemingly some good news, because at this point, every single vote matters. The polls are incredibly tight, uh, frankly. Uh, they have been tightening up uh, with great speed over the past few days, both nationally and in uh, the, the key battleground states, the key swing states. But writing over at uh, 538.com, which has really become the gold standard when it comes to polling averages and results predictions, uh, over at 538, Harry Enten warns that Donald Trump is now just a normal polling error behind Hillary Clinton. Uh, he says that uh, right now she is leading in the polling averages by some three point, uh, let's see, 3.3 points, a little over three points uh, in their polls only forecast. Um, but uh, the, the, you could have a polling error here. He, he points out to even at the end of a presidential campaign, polls don't perfectly predict the final margin in the election. Sometimes the final polls are quite accurate. An average of national polls in the week before the 2008 election had uh, Barack Obama winning by 7.6 points and he won by 7.3 points. So that was pretty close. However, sometimes they are not that close. For example, four years ago, Obama was uh, winning in the final week, according to the polls, by 1.2 percentage points. He actually beat Mitt Romney by 3.9 points. But that's a, an almost three-point error in the polling from the final week. And right now, by way of reminder, Hillary Clinton leads Donald Trump by just over three points. So uh, it's just, as he calls it, a normal polling average. Uh, the average uh, is going back since 1968, uh, Harry Enten finds, is uh, just two percentage points. Two percentage points one way or another. So uh, when the election is close, he notes a few percentage points, a, 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 normal, a normal average polling error can make all of the difference. He goes on to write that, 
All of this is to say that even if Clinton's lead over Trump doesn't shrink anymore, even if it stays exactly where it is, Trump might still win. He would only need a normal-sized polling error. And, of course, that error would have to be in his favor. But uh, Clinton's lead at this point is small enough that it wouldn't take more than a normal amount of error to wipe the lead out and leave Trump the winner, at least of the national popular vote. If Clinton wins by three percentage points... Uh, she's likely to very to to win the Electoral College and the White House, he writes. But that's still a medium sized if. Feel better. The five thirty eight dot just in case you don't uh, the five thirty eight dot com model, the polling model currently shows Clinton's chances of winning at sixty four percent compared to thirty six percent for Trump. Which, if you don't pay too close attention, that sounds like good news. 64 to 36. Hillary's got this in the bag. Those are not polling numbers. Those are chances, the odds of her winning. Essentially, that's actually uh, about two out of three. That's a two out of three chance. If this election is run three times, two of them Hillary Clinton's going to win. One of them, Donald Trump, is going to become the next president of the United States. And as we have been speaking about a great deal on the broadcast of late, there is much, much more that could go wrong other than a mere polling error. A lot more that could go wrong on Election Day and on Election Night, as we will discuss uh, right after this with Bev Harris from Black Box Voting. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. What the public hears over the public airwaves matters. Without an informed electorate, we've got, well, we got what we have right now. We do our best on the broadcast five days a week to balance that with accurate reporting on issues that actually matter. We don't always get it right, but we try like hell to do so. And we do it all independently and without the influence of corporate or political funding. But we can't do it without you. Please don't presume others will step up. We need you to help us keep doing what Desi Doyen and myself try to do every day on the broadcast. Please help us continue to do so by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep the broadcast going and telling the truth over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. Don't wait. Please stop by today. Thanks. can count 424 billion for war why can't they count our votes good question and if they can count thousands of bombs and still be buying more why can't they count our votes good question welcome back to the bradcast brad friedman from bradblog.com just as we uh, went off the air yesterday, this breaking exclusive from NBC News. NBC News, the U.S. government believes hackers from Russia or elsewhere, well, that narrows it down, may try to undermine next week's presidential election and is mounting an unprecedented effort to counter. Uh, American officials uh, told this to NBC News. The effort is being coordinated by the White House and the Department of Homeland Security, but reaches across the government to include the CIA, the National Security Agency, and other elements of the Defense Department, according to current and former officials. 
Officials, they say, are on alert for any attempts to create Election Day chaos, and they say steps are being taken to prepare for worst-case scenarios, including a cyber attack that shuts down part of the power grid or the Internet. What is more likely, uh, they say, is a lower-level effort by hackers to peddle misinformation by manipulating Twitter, Facebook, and other social media platforms. The officials were reluctant to discuss with NBC News how they might respond to such influence operations, as they describe them, other than other than to say they will make efforts to counter misinformation and keep open communication nodes. The U.S. intelligence community community and the Department of Homeland Security assess that it would be extremely difficult for even a nation-state actor to alter actual ballot counts or election results by cyber attack. That, according to another senior administration official. But would it? Would it really be that difficult? Well, we'll get to that with my guest in a moment. This assessment, they say, is based on the decentralized nature of our election system in this country and the number of protections uh, that state and local officials have in place. The official said nothing to worry about. States ensure that voting machines are not connected to the Internet. And there are numerous checks and balances as well as extensive oversight at multiple levels built into our election process, according to the official. However, a Department of Homeland Security official said that other possible hacks pose the potential for causing confusion and misperception around the election. For example, someone could tamper with voter registration information or unofficial election night reporting. While multiple intelligence officials told NBC that they have no specific warning about an Election Day attack, they also said that they consider the massive and sophisticated Internet disruption of Friday, October 21, to be a potential dry run. Remember that? We uh, noted exactly that concern on this show that day when uh, Twitter was down, Amazon was down, huge websites, uh, commercial websites were down. Uh, You couldn't access them at all. And I noted, well, you know, we don't need to worry about these county election officials. They'll be able to safeguard against the threat that Twitter and Amazon were not, particularly when you've got uh, these electronic poll book systems that require uh, uh, network connections, just knocking those out could cause havoc on Election Day. NBC News goes on to report that the distributed denial-of-service attack on equipment provided by the company Dyne on October 21, which took down popular Internet sites like PayPal and Amazon for hours, quote, had all the signs of what would be considered a drill. According to Anne Baron de Camillo, former director of Homeland Security's Computer Emergency Readiness Team, in this report to NBC News. But while outside hackers may pose a threat to Tuesday's election, what about election insiders who have direct access to our voting systems? Back in 2004 on CNBC, former presidential candidate and DNC chair Governor Howard Dean was guest hosting on uh, on the channel, and he had BlackBoxVoting.org's Bev Harris on as a guest. She sat down with Dean at a computer with the actual tabulator software that was used in many states at the time, the GEMS system made by Diebold back then, to show him exactly how an election insider could flip an election between Howard Dean, Lex Luthor, 
and Tiger Woods in just seconds in such a way that the results could be completely flipped from a Howard Dean win to a Lex Luthor win. This is the official program that the county supervisor sees. As we can see here, Howard Dean has a thousand votes and Lex Luthor has 500, so you're beating Lex Luthor. You see, we have 800 votes here for you and 400 for Lex Luthor. Let's just flip those. We'll make that 400 and we'll give 100 votes to Tiger. Let's just see what happened here. We'll go back into Gems the legitimate way. And as you can see now, Howard Dean only has 500 votes. Lex Luthor has 900 and Tiger Woods has 100 votes. Mm. We just edited an election, it took us 90 seconds. Feel better? Well, that was on a computer tabulation system uh, in use back in 2004. So after remarkable vulnerabilities like that, the ability to flip an election, as uh, Bev Harris and Howard Dean demonstrated on CNBC all of those years ago, after that, and after all of these other demonstrations since showing how easily voting and tabulation systems, both touchscreen and hand-marked paper ballot systems, I've got to say, those paper ballots are also tabulated by computer systems. After those demonstrations showing how easy that uh, results can be manipulated in such a way that it would be very difficult and in some cases impossible to even notice, much less prove that it happened. After all of those years, here we are 12 years later, surely those systems have been replaced with more reliable, trustworthy ones, right? After all, the U.S. government is telling us it would be very difficult to hack a presidential election while at the same time telling us we need to be worried about uh, the presidential election being hacked. Well, let's find out how easy it will or won't be. Twelve years later, we've got Bev Harris with us today. She is the founder of the nonpartisan election integrity watchdog BlackBoxVoting.org. She's author of the infamous book Black Box Voting. Uh, she also may be familiar to uh, many of you who saw her featured in HBO's Emmy-nominated Hacking Democracy, which demonstrated how simple it is to flip the results of an election on a computer tabulator, even on a paper ballot system. Black Box Voting has long fought against opaque, non-transparent electronic voting and tabula tabulation systems and the fight for the citizenry to be able to oversee vote counting and tabulation. And now Bev Harris is out with a new video and, frankly, explosive new findings uh, showing that some 90 percent of the computer vote tabulation systems used in the U.S. have the functionality built into them to essentially weight each vote cast by a certain fraction what she and Tennessee data analyst Benny Smith describe as fraction magic, which throws an entirely new and troubling element into an already troubling election year. Uh, Bev Harris, welcome back to the broadcast. Well, Brad, it's you and me back together again discussing the same old thing. Here hey, we listen, go again. Yes. I'm happy to know yeah. that after minus 16,000 votes were put into the tabulator in the 2000 election. And after I showed Howard Dean how to change the votes, mm -hmm. a new system was forced on everybody in the U.S., mm -hmm. which added fraction magic. In fact, it wasn't there in the system that I showed demonstrated with Howard Dean, which required us to use a somewhat unsophisticated method. Now they, after that, they added fractionalization of the count which allows a very, very sophisticated, almost impossible to detect ability to alter the 
vote totally in every precinct in multiple jurisdictions and, at once. And Isn't I want, that fun? Yeah, that a lot Let's of fun. And, and we're going to get into the specifics of, of Fraction Magic in a moment. And, and I know you're, by the way, on the road, so I greatly appreciate you taking the time to pull over today and give us a few minutes. Uh, before we get to Fraction Magic, though... You mentioned those tabulators back in 2004 that you could go in and change and then they added uh, this fraction magic stuff we'll get to. But did they remove the ability to do what you did in 2004, basically go behind the scenes and just change the results uh, in a, essentially in a spreadsheet? No. <laughs> now we have more ways. But the, the significance of the new ways are that they... They take into account some of these uh, supposedly uh, wonderful checks and balances that they promise us are in there, and they allow somebody to bypass those wonderful checks and balances. Well, and but, but just to be clear, you can still go in and do what you guys did in 2004 if you're an election exactly. insider and just go to the database, change the numbers, and then, boom, report it out as if this is what actually happened as opposed to what actually did happen. That's correct. All right. Uh, which is disturbing in and of itself. Twelve years later, talking about this same thing. But uh, anyway, we'll get to yes. Fraction Magic in a moment. I do want to get your, your thought on this, though, because I've been sort of pointing out this completely mixed message that the U.S. government has been... <laughs> Putting out about, yes. you know, <laughs> claiming that Russia or anyone uh, could hack our election and then the very next week telling us, oh, don't worry about it. They can't do it. Uh, you know, and whether it's a guy, you know. And, and listen yeah, to this. Yeah. It's not on the Internet, but it's very we're very worried about an Internet attack like we had on a, in a uh, what? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Pick a, pick a side. It, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, now, the, the, you got this focus on Russia, but, you know, never mind that. It could be any country. It could be a local hacker, a guy in North Dakota or anywhere else, or much more to the point, as you demonstrated in that video, Bev Harris, election insiders. They have, uh, you know, or the contractors that they hire to run these elections. They seem to have a much more direct route to manipulation. Uh, so I'd love your thoughts on, on all of that before we get into Fraction Magic. Sure, sure. Well, you know, here's the thing, too. They, they are correct when they say there's all these different systems in all these different places, and they're each run by the counties, and there's 3,000 counties. The thing is, you don't need to get 3,000 counties to take a presidential election. You have certain swing states. There's mm -hmm. not that many of them, five, mm -hmm. six, seven. And each of those swing states has certain very large population bases. You, you know, you're talking about you could probably do it if you got it 10 or 12 counties. Uh, That's it. And in the case of, well, both 2000 and 2004, it was really only one state that flipped the election one way or another. So if you get into right. one county in one of those states, uh, you're done. Yeah, I, I mean, if you take if you take uh, Cleveland, Ohio mm -hmm. and Columbus as well, you got Ohio, folks. If you go into, uh, you know, Pennsylvania and you take Pittsburgh and I mean, because it's the total number of votes. Mm -hmm. It, people don't get that this isn't about you have to do the whole thing. You don't have to do the whole popular vote either. You just need to do strategic stuff. And so that's where you really get into a higher risk of some insider or some local contractor because, you know, it's not – you don't have to fan out nationwide. You just need to be strategic, and that's uh, very concerning. And I actually kind of mapped it out. There's at least 5,000 people, including uh, – basically 5,000 people who have inside access in, at some location. Of those, 
there's a couple hundred who have inside access to multiple locations. And of those, there's a handful that have inside access to whole states or, in some cases, multiple states. So, you know, we're just not paying nearly enough attention. Now, there's a really good reason for this. An election official only runs an election once a year at the most. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have the expertise. You know, a lot of these are little rural places, too. Sure. To, to run their own system. In fact, they usually don't have any idea how to run their own system. So they sub it out to a subcontractor. And that's where we need to be looking, uh, as well as every place else, you know, the Russians. <laughs> well, so when you say... I mean, I'm laughing, but it could be anybody. Any, that's exactly the point. And that's exactly the point I know you've been making for so many years. You know, no need to, to pick on anyone. The fact that these systems are so vulnerable. But on the other hand, Bev... NBC News reports uh, states ensure that voting machines are not connected to the Internet and there are numerous checks and balances as well as extensive oversight at multiple levels built into our election process. So nothing to worry about, uh, right? That's according to the U.S. government. Uh, You know, well, there's there's a way of looking at things now that's the wrong framework. And... It's considered very desirable to have confidence in the system instead of having it be accountability in the system. Mm. And as long as we force that parameter on people and say, be confident and we be cheerleaders and we tell everyone not to worry, don't look too closely, uh, instead of forcing it onto accountability and evidence, um, we are putting our whole system at risk. And sooner or later, if we keep running these mystery elections, there's going to be something that is actually destabilizing and a kind of a perfect storm. I mean, this is very predictable that sooner or later, mm. when you keep running elections that are not accountable to the public, mm-hmm. that are not something that we can verify with actual evidence, i.e. ballots and ballot images, sooner or later, there's going to be a meltdown that is uh, destabilizing. And I think this it- is actually rather dangerous in the long run. It's absolutely dangerous. It's a threat to everything we do. It's a threat to democracy. And, and that's the point you and I have been trying to make for so many years. All right. right. I, I briefly described this alarming new discovery that uh, you, you released in this uh, in a video explanation this week after I know you spent a year or so at least working with Tennessee data uh, analyst Benny Smith looking at the existing tabulator software used in many states and finding what you call fraction magic. I probably butchered the explanation there in my intro. So what is specifically fraction magic, and is this finding as alarming as it sounds? Yeah. Um, what it is is, and, and, and it's interesting because computer guys miss this, but financial guys see this right away. They understand right away what he's doing. Um, what it is is there's the fractionalization, it counts each vote as with an unlimited number of decimals instead of as a whole number. In other words, one vote does not have to be one person. And what that enables is the ability to allocate vote, uh, the results by percentage. So you can preset a percentage and say, I would like, and it's by precinct. Mm-hmm. You can say, in this precinct, I would like my guy to get 75%, the other guy to get 25%. But in this precinct, I would like my guy to get 60%, the other guy to get 40%. That's really important because you will get caught if you don't mimic the demographics that people know to be true. The reason this probably came out of Memphis is because Memphis is one of those demographically concentrated places where you have precincts that are all black, all Democrat, and precincts that are you know, 90% white, 80% Republican. 
And you cannot just go in there willy-nilly and start, you know, flipping votes around because it's just not going to, it's going to be obvious that you didn't match the demographics. The only way to really match up those demographics is to preset it by percent. And once you do that, when you think about it, if you have 100 votes Mm -hmm. and you say, I want 43 Mm percent of them to go to that guy, that's 43 votes. But if only 99 voters show up, uh uh-oh, then what? It's not going to be a whole number. You must have the ability to deal with decimals in the vote. So, in other words, so when Benny went looking, yeah. So, well, well, let me l- let me just try to clarify. So, in other words, just to bring this way way down, uh, let's say it's you and I voting in an election. So we know there's going to be two ballots. Sure. You could uh, th- this functionality is built into our existing uh, tabulation software that would uh, you could essentially say, all right, my vote will be worth. 1.3 uh, votes, and your vote will only be worth 0.7. When those are get added up, there's still you know two uh, you know two total votes cast right. at this precinct. But my vote is worth a lot more than your vote, and this can be done across an entire precinct, across an entire county. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah. Well, and and it actually the way it it is set up, it it happens. Very, very, it's parsed out, and that's what's actually really important is because, for example, in Memphis, where Benny is, there's about 200 different precincts and, and three different voting methods. You could vote early, you could vote absentee, or you could vote at the polls, and you could vote at any of these different places. So you can literally go in with an Excel spreadsheet and just say, okay, here's, here's what I want for the percent for every single one of those methods and places that I choose to tamper with. And it will inject your percent in, and whatever, you don't know how many people are going to show up to vote. But whoever does show up to vote, the percent you chose is going to be what the result turns out to be. And, and that is going to convert whole numbers into decimals. Uh, it does round them up, so you can't see them in the report. You can't see the decimals. You won't see it in the final report. You've, you've, you've fractionalized uh, these votes so that some votes are worth more than others, and then when you print out the report, right, right. It, it's a whole number, and it's the same number of, uh, you know, the, the, the number of, of ballots yeah, that were matches, actually cast. Yeah. There, there is now... Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really dangerous because it can pass through all the... You know, they're kind of right when they say, well, we have all these, you know, checks and balances. Right, because they would be looking to make sure that there's nothing weird. Like, if you make every single precinct exactly the same percent, they're going to know. Wow, gosh. But if you have it so that it's ebbing and flowing with what would normally be expected, but you just changed it enough to change the overall, Uh um, they're never going to know. There is... There's ostensibly, and, and you and I, we've been talking about this for the for the past year or so as you've been uh, sort of yes. confirming yes. it and, and working through it and trying to figure out if this code really is in the in there. It actually really is in there, and there's essentially, uh, essentially or I should say ostensibly, a legitimate reason mm-hmm. of a sort for this type of functionality to be in a vote tabulation system, correct? Well, I would probably quibble with the legitimate concept because it's not ever legitimate in a public election, right. um, a, a public general election. And what they did was they took this very unusual type of election and they made it the default setting for all public elections in the United States. And then, for added fun, um, Hardinger Civic added fractional counts in 2006 into all of its systems. And Dominion added fractional counts. When asked why Dominion did, they said for marketing purposes. Now, 
then we don't even get even less legitimate. We're going to fractionalize all accounts in America for marketing purposes. Um, so, so essentially what they did was they, they, they had this very weird election, which, by the way, I checked very carefully, never even happened. And it was a homeowner's election for decorative lights, which was to, to mythically happen in Sacramento and never happened. And because of that homeowner's election for decorative lights, where they decided they wanted to fractionalize that election, uh, they changed everything in America and forced all the elections, um, all the election administrators to, quote-unquote, upgrade their system to incorporate the fractional counts in their general so, election. So in theory, you might say, it would, they could say, or that they are saying, I guess, that, oh, sure, we, sure. we did this for sure, private sure. elections because we got a, a homeowner's election, uh, a association election, or some private corporate election where yeah, some yeah, yeah, yeah. board members have, th- that they actually do have more weight uh, for their vote than for these other people's vote. That's the theory, that that's the reason they claim they've added this right. function. That's the that's the plausible deniability hook. Um, we had to do it because we had this weird election, which, by the way, did not ever actually happen. Um, and um, that's why we had to do it. The problem is, then why did you make it the default setting and require everybody to use it, even when the state doesn't even have that type of election? That's when it starts to fall apart. And the next place it falls apart is who put it in there. Um, I got about 900 pages of transcripts of court documents. It seems that the man who was supervising this process didn't pay a bonus to one of his his, uh, programmers. And the programmers sued him, and about six years later, this all shows up in this obscure court case, and they're pointing back and forth as to who did what. Well, the gentleman who was ordering this to be put in, this fractional count, turns out to be Jeffrey Dean believe it or not. And Jeffrey Dean is a compu- it was convicted of computer crime and spent 4 years in prison for it. So he's the one he's the one who developed really the global election management system that gave those you mentioned it at the at in, the top here yeah, the negative put in the double set of books did all kinds of, of sketchy things. Well, and, and the and Bev, the the negative 16,022 yeah. votes you you for Al Gore that were registered in Volusia County back in 2000 that was on his system that was then purchased by Diebold. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. So uh, so and before he went to jail for computer crimes, he was employed by the head of the White House Plumbers Unit under Richard Nixon. So he has this political seamy past as well. So you go, okay, we can, all right, if you want it to be that way, that the guy who used to work for the White House plumbers guy who then went to jail on computer crimes and did some other dodgy stuff, put this in there but for decorative lights, which never happened, um, not to worry here, it's still a problem because it's in there and can be used. Uh, uh, it, so whether Jeffrey Dean decided to use it for that purpose or not, anybody else could. And that's the misdirection you're talking about. Uh, you know, you can uh, you got to worry about Russia. Well, never mind Russia. Look at the people who are actually <laughs> working on these systems who are actually inside. Bev Harris, I've got just a, a few more minutes here. Let me hit a couple of things really quick with you. We're talking about, sure. in the use of this fraction magic, uh, this isn't uh, necessarily a vote-by-vote vote thing. You don't have to do it for each vote. You can do this for an entire precinct, an entire uh, county, or in cases like Alaska, well, Alaska, which is for, that's an entire state essentially tallied as a single county, right? So that can be applied in one fell swoop in a matter of seconds? Yeah, I did Alaska in four seconds using the database that was uh, released to the Democratic Party in a lawsuit. 
Um, and it took us 19 seconds to do Shelby County, Tennessee. It's a big, complicated county. Um, and, and you don't necessarily, you can do it person by person, um, but you can also do it, and it's probably more often used, used to do it uh, ballot question by ballot question. In other words, we want such and such a bond measure to go through, mm-hmm. so we're going to just weight the yeses at one thing and the noes at another thing. Do- um, it, it's very flexible and versatile. Does, does this require an insider, or can this be also done remotely through one of these uh, hackers we've heard about from elsewhere? Um, theoretically, it could be done remotely, but actually they would also have to have the demographics to make it look plausible, although with all the database breaches, they could get those as well. Um, but I think, you know, it was actually, in my opinion, it was designed for a purpose. And I think it was designed so that insiders who had this key uh, would be able to uh, deal with local elections. Remember, there's one presidential election every four years. There's 100,000 local elections every single year, and they control hundreds of billions of dollars in appropriations and contract authorizations. Do we- so let's say you wanted to sell elections. You would go for the repeat buy. You would go for the local thing that nobody is really looking at very closely. But that does indeed put an infrastructure in place of some local fixers who, if you know where they are and where to go, uh, may be in play during a, a presidential election. Do, do we have any evidence that this has actually been used in any election? Uh, or, or do we just know that the functionality is there and it could have been used in an actual election? Um I would call what we did a proof of concept, Mm -hmm. but there is some circumstantial evidence. For example, there are several elections that have what we would call one-off errors, where it doesn't add up, and it's off by one. That is typically what, or sometimes two, that is typically what you might see if there's a round-off error. For example, I have 2.5 votes and 7.5 votes, which should add up to 10, but when you round them off, you end up with three and eight, which, oops, it adds up to 11, mm-hmm. producing this one-off error. We have found we elections have seen that. Who have run, that, that have the one-off. Yeah. This, uh, and just to confirm, this functionality is in machines that you're, uh, you estimate, uh, and, and I want to point people to, uh, to YouTube, to blackboxvoting.org, uh, or just go to YouTube and search fra- uh, Fraction Magic. Uh, but in that uh, documentary, a short documentary, it says that this functionality is in the machines used in uh, just about 90 percent of the country and that this 99 percent um, because it's been oh, confirmed now great. it started in this gems global election system but it's now been confirmed in heart was added in 2006 in mm-hmm. dominion they've admitted it and esns according to the illinois board of elections has also got it in there esns of course counts about 60 percent of the votes in the u.s so it is actually pretty pervasive last question for you bev harris uh all of this of course sounds just frankly like a ridiculous conspiracy theory that this could happen uh, both that you know this functionality is in the machines used in 99% of the country or that it would be used uh by a bad guy how do you respond to that and and those people who say oh this is a crazy conspiracy could never happen well i call it i i embrace the conspiracy term and because I, I, I look at it as a rico problem a racketeering problem 
and I look at it as it bubbling up from the local level. And when you look at the fact that you have, for example, Crystal City, Texas, which is a, you know, its elected officials, almost every one of its elected officials was indicted at the same time. You know, Bell, California, which had almost all of its elected officials indicted, and um, including for election fraud. So, you know, it, it really doesn't really pass the plausibility test that there would be no local election where someone would corrupt it. And with this available, you know, yeah, it probably was in there for a reason. Um, it's, it's not ridiculous unless you want to throw out all the indictments of all of the various uh, local election officials and people who've been already been convicted of election yeah, fraud. Yep, yeah, Clay, <laughs> Clay County, Kentucky, the uh, the, the county, county clerk, Kentucky, there you go. the the, the, the yeah, district, the I, magistrate I mean, judge in Clay County, the superintendent of schools. They were all election officials there. They were all found to have been gaming elections on electronic voting systems. By the way, uh, for right, about ten right. years. Uh, Oh, uh, yeah. Bev. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. and and the great thing is, and there's a there's something that I really want to uh, just grab us a couple seconds and mention. Sure. There are solutions right there on the horizon, and I I would call it the breaky method. It's a one two three. Almost all the current machines take a picture of every ballot, which is a public record, and uh, they may fight you on it, but it should be. Um, if you have a picture of every ballot and it has a unique number on it, and you can also examine the paper ballots, which should have a matching unique number, um, to see that it matches, uh, and you release all the pictures, 100%, so the entire public can do their own recount anytime they want, this kind of stuff becomes very difficult because when we tested Fraction Magic, it was not able to, I'm not saying it can't happen, uh -huh. but our test, it was not able to alter those ballot images. Those electronic ballot images, which I know that uh, you meant you called it the breaking breaky method. I know John Brakey, a great election integrity advocate in Arizona, he's been fighting yeah. to get public release of those ballot images. Other people have around right. the country those electronic images so that you can compare them to the results, uh, to the paper ballots, uh, to make sure that there hasn't been some sort of manipulation either by Howard Dean or Bev Harris or Vladimir Putin <laughs> uh, or anyone else right, uh, sitting right. around doing uh, Bev, uh, boy. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't matter who did it. It could be anybody. Yep. And by the way, um, when I looked, the touchscreens also have these. They're a little bit more bogus, but still, when I looked at the ones in Shelby County, Tennessee, they did not match what the tabulator report was. I find that very, very interesting. Bev Harris, I hope you take this the right way, uh, but you're one of those people who I hope to not be speaking with soon. <laughs> but I have a feeling that may yeah. not be the case. I suspect we'll be talking in uh, in the next few days. Buckle up. Uh, and uh, by the way, drive safely uh, wherever you're headed there. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you on well, probably a lot between now and Election Day and beyond. Bev, uh, Bev Harris, check out her work at blackboxvoting.org. Check out Fraction Magic, the video, at YouTube. Bev, uh, buckle up. Uh, it's going to be a bumpy ride, I'm afraid. Well, listen, I'm glad you're out there. You do great work, Brad. Back at you. All right, a quick break, and we're back with uh, more Bradcast, including Desi Doyen and the final Green News Report before Election Day. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial.
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Yes, the world may be melting, but uh, really only uh, Desi Doyen and I seem to care. It's kind <laughs> well, of what it there seems are a few like. people are out there, there who care. Okay. Yeah, there are. Uh, well, and just one of the reasons this election is uh, is so important. And I know we've got we've got some news on the, uh, the the Paris Agreement that we'll get to in a second. I got a couple other stories. We'll see if we have time to hit. Um, concerning Ohio and North Carolina. North Carolina, by the way, is like the new Ohio this year, which was before the new Florida the year before. So uh, that's I'm quite concerned about North Carolina. In any event, uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, first, this is our, our last Green News report before the election. Yep. What could possibly go wrong? So uh, we're, we're, we're going to let it play out for uh, several more weeks and and determine whether or not this can be resolved. President Obama suggests rerouting controversial Dakota Access Pipeline. Some major and some tricky environment-related ballot measures. China's top official warns Trump about climate science denial. Plus, the world is falling apart. The ice caps are melting. We're talking about this. Corporate media covered Clinton's emails 25 times more than climate change. Mm, You got to cover something other than climate change. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment global warming and that a lot of it's a hoax it's a hoax just by way of reminder on our last green news report before the election yep this is your green news report okay desi doyan uh big stakes writing on the election this week And another reminder of that in Alabama. Yes, we do have a sad follow-up, unfortunately, to that gasoline pipeline explosion in Alabama on Monday. One worker is now confirmed dead. Five workers were severely burned. And more tragic fossil fuel deaths in China. Officials have confirmed that all 33 coal miners that had been trapped underground by a gas explosion earlier this week have now been found dead. Two miners did, however, manage to escape. Here in the U.S., President Obama has suggested rerouting the controversial Dakota Access Pipeline away from the Standing Rock Sioux Tribes Reservation in North Dakota. That's where Native American tribes and activists are protesting construction of the pipeline that threatens their water supply and ancestral lands. My view is that there is a way for us to accommodate sacred lands of Native Americans. Right now, the Army Corps is examining whether there are ways to reroute this pipeline. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to let it play out for uh, several more weeks and, and determine whether or not this can be resolved in, in a way that uh, is properly attentive to the traditions of the first Americans. So bad news that the pipeline will still move forward, but maybe some good news that it will be moved farther away 
at least from the Standing Rock Sioux. That's what it looks like. That interview was with Now This News, and the president at the time also cautioned law enforcement, saying they have an obligation to show restraint. Well, that would be nice. Meanwhile, as the U.S. hurdles toward Election Day on Tuesday, November 8th, China's top climate official took the unusual step of offering some friendly advice to Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump, who has pledged to renege on U.S. commitments to the historic United Nations Paris Climate Agreement. We're going to cancel the Paris Climate Agreement and stop. Unbelievable. And stop all payments of the United States tax dollars to U.N. global warming programs. In response to a question by Reuters about Trump's statements, China's chief U.N. climate negotiator Xi Jinping said, quote, I believe a wise political leader should take policy stances that conform with global trends. If they resist this trend, I don't think they'll win the support of their people and their country's economic and social progress will also be affected. Well, we'll see if he enjoys the support of the people. But of course, That guy would say that because, as Trump has told us, it is China who has created the hoax that is global warming. Yep. And China, by the way, is launching a national carbon trading system in 2017. Hmm. Sounds like they've hoaxed themselves. A new study by Media Matters explains why voters generally don't know the presidential candidate's specific policies on the environment or energy or climate change. That's because the corporate media has neglected to cover policy. Media Matters found that the major networks devoted more coverage to Hillary Clinton's email controversy than all other policy issues combined. In just the last few weeks, for example, cable news mentioned Clinton's emails more than 2,000 times and mentioned climate change just 96 times. What's to talk about? Now, not only are candidate races for federal, state, and local office important, but voters in many states also will be deciding some major and some tricky environmental initiatives. We've already covered how the utility industry is behind Florida's deceptive anti-solar amendment one that's intended to crush rooftop solar. In California, out-of-state plastic bag manufacturers have funded two confusing ballot measures that could potentially trick voters into repealing the state's statewide ban on single-use plastic bags. And in Washington state, voters are considering the nation's first statewide carbon tax on major polluters. But division between major environmental groups over where that revenue should go could doom the measure entirely. You can get more info on these and other measures around the country at our website, greennews.bradblog.com. Buckle up. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Right here, right now, watching the world wake up from history. Right here, right now. Yeah. Right here, right now, Desi Doyen. Hoping the world does wake up to history because this is an historic election for the world, literally, because Trump has promised to essentially, you know, burn the whole place up if he gets to <laughs> well, be president. Uh, well, yeah, well, certainly when it comes to global warming, which yeah. he says it's a hoax, it's a hoax. Well, aside from all but, the other stuff uh, he'd do, too. Yeah, this, um, the Paris Agreement, however, uh, takes effect, is it, it today? It was yes. Trump-proofed by the U.N.? Well, Trump-proof, uh, yeah, if he's president, he can 
undermine it. However, it has now entered into international law when it enters into force. So it takes about four years for a President Trump to withdraw from it. So now the hard part actually begins because the Paris Agreement itself is not enough to get us to where we need to go. It's not enough to meet the two degrees Celsius no. limit of global temperatures rising. It's not. So. And I know there's a lot of uh, environmentalists who are chomping at the bit, waiting for November 9th under the uh, premise that uh, Hillary Clinton will win on November 8th. If that happens, uh, those folks who have been ostensibly supporting her can't wait to hold her feet to the fire. And uh, they'll need to. And they'll need to. Because uh, everything is riding on But it. it'll be a hell of a lot easier to hold her feet to the fire than Donald Trump's feet to the fire, at least on this particular issue. Indeed. Very quickly, before, thank you for that, Des. Before we get out, um, uh, this note, uh, North Carolina, uh, I mentioned uh, earlier, would be the new Ohio. In 2012, uh, Duke students um, could vote early on the main campus. But this year, the polls were moved to a little-known spot uh, according to uh, Jonathan Katz of uh, New York Times, and uh, he's got a, a, a text message that was sent out or an email, I guess, that was sent out from uh, someone in student affairs at Duke saying that right now, as of today, this was a day or two ago, only 1,200 students had cast ballots in North Carolina, while over 4,000 students had voted in the 2010 and 2012 elections. Even in 2010, there were more early voters uh, among students at Duke University in North Carolina. Uh, he says, we have very little time left until the election is over. It's becoming increasingly difficult to reach our goal of surpassing previous year's turnouts. And, of course, North Carolina is a very important uh, swing state this year. In other uh, swing state news here, very quickly, the uh, Supreme Court has uh, knock this down once and for all, this uh, challenge in Ohio. Uh, voters who forget to include their middle name or their zip code uh, or make a typo on their birth date or they sign their name in cursive where it says print name in the box could have their provisional ballot tossed out just for that alone, for those minor errors. Um, Sabod Chandra, a Cleveland attorney, had brought a suit um, because uh, fearing hundreds, if not thousands, of voters would be disenfranchised over these trivial errors. Clerical errors. Yeah. Uh, but this week, the Supreme Court uh, rejected uh, even hearing that uh, emergency stay, the request for an emergency stay. Uh, and uh, under Ohio's law, that means that if a voter's name, birthday or address on their provisional ballot does not match exactly with the records that the state has, even if the state is in error, even if there's a typo on the state uh, records, that ballot can be thrown out. It is left up to each county. Reuters uh, had found that more than half of the provisional and absentee votes discarded for minor errors in 2014 came from five large Democratic-leaning, Democratic-dominated urban counties. Um, the 14 Ohio counties that enforced the law in the strictest manner accounted for 60 percent of the votes that President Obama won in Ohio in 2012. So essentially, at twice the rate, they were tossing them out in Democratic-leaning errors uh, areas for these errors than they were in Republican-leading areas. So uh, we'll, I think, have uh, more on that on our next thrilling episode, because uh, what happens on election night and after election day, as I often warn, um, could affect the race as much as what happens on election day. 
more on our next thrilling broadcast. My thanks today to uh, Desi Doyen, our producer, to Bev Harris of blackboxvoting.org, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it and share it for free at bradblog.com. Drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Bradblog. That's it. I'm Brad Friedman. Until we meet again, good luck, world.